You're listening to Broncos for Breakfast with Nick Kendall and Scott Kennedy. Head on over to milehighhuddle.com for all things Broncos. Good morning, Broncos country. Four check marks. Let's get that fifth one in here before it's officially time for Broncos for breakfast. I'm going to have a big swig of coffee while we're waiting. Ah, that's for the I'm podcast slurping. listeners welcome, out there. Welcome to yeah. Slurp for breakfast. Um, welcome in, guys. No, no slurping going on in here. Um, it's another time. It's time once again for another episode of Broncos for breakfast. 7.30 a.m. Mountain time, Tuesdays and Thursdays. Welcome in, everybody. Welcome in. Scott. How you doing, buddy? It's uh, it's been too long. I, I'm always excited to talk football with you in the morning. I'm doing good. It, it feels like a lot has happened. Yeah, you know, since since we last talked, it's like a, a lot has happened. But then again, sometimes a lot has stayed the same. You know, I, I think this time next week things will be pretty crazy, especially next Thursday when we go from 80 to 53. You know, 85 to 80 is not that big a deal. But again. Yeah. The more they things change, the more they stay the same. It was another dominating performance from the Denver Broncos across the board. Uh, there's mm-hmm. a lot of players I'm excited about talking about. Yeah, absolutely. Um, I watched the game last night after I got in um, and finished it this morning. So I've been up since about five o'clock, uh, hiked out from backpacking trip yesterday. We did uh, about 14 miles, 15 miles and six hours um, to get out of there. But uh, it was a good time. Caught Caught some trout. Um, was up there. Uh, we cut them up and flayed them up on the. Uh, Let's not the rocks. forget about checking for parasites. If I learned anything last week on this show, that was it. Well, uh, hopefully none of these this quarterback battle doesn't <laughs> become a parasite on the Broncos' season. Um, but no, we cooked them up. It was a good time. Um, it was beautiful. A little hazy up there, but you know, hard to hard to beat being out in the mountains in the Alpine Lakes wilderness. So excited to be back now. Came back yesterday and saw. Hey, how did the game go? What's going on? Everybody's like, just just avoid Twitter. But um, we got to talk about the issues. We got to talk about the Broncos. So let's get into it, guys. This is, of course, Broncos for breakfast. Like I said earlier, every Tuesday and Thursday morning, 730 o'clock a.m. Mountain time. You guys can check us out. Uh, You can find Scott on Twitter, of course, at Scout Kennedy and myself at Nick Kendall MHH. While you guys are over there, please also follow us at Huddle Up Pod as well as at Mile High Huddle. Um, Facebook, folks, I know you're out there. What's going on right now? I see no Facebook thumbs up, no likes. Uh, First off. If you guys are joining us today, smash that like button, hit the uh, laugh, react, the care emoji, you know, whatever one works for you. Um, like it says here, hey, YouTube, hey, Facebook, like this video. There we go. Eric Alcozer. Thank you very much, Eric. You, you're a real one answering the call of action. Oh, man. Boom. They're just all of a sudden coming in. Gary Leeds Palmer at the heart as well. Love you all, guys. Thank you so much for doing that. Rob Williams in the house, Charles Tudor, Albert Knoppers, and uh, Drew Smith as well. So thank you, guys. If you're joining us on Facebook today, make sure you also go over to Facebook.com forward slash mile high huddle as well as facebook.com forward slash mile high huddle pod. If you guys are joining us on YouTube today, please subscribe, like, and share to this channel. Hit the notification, the little bell up there as well, so you'll know when we go live, so you'll never miss a show. Also over on YouTube, you have to. If you're watching us on YouTube today and you're enjoying Broncos for Breakfast, you have to go over to Scott's channel, youtube.com forward slash C forward slash Scott Kennedy. I'm dropping a link right now in the chat. You guys just click one of these guys right now. Um, it'll take you to his channel and you can see all the latest stuff and what, what's going on over on the, uh, the Scott Kennedy YouTube channel there. Uh, just a little bit of the same doing some Falcon okay. stuff, trying to pull out some of, of the, the 
decent quotes and such that comes out of a boring press conference. I was actually going to yeah. try and dig up my Josh Rosen highlight video today since he yeah. uh, he's in the news. I think he's signing with the Falcons after A.J. McCarron mm. tore up his knee. It was unfortunate. Um, yeah. I have to say it's been actually kind of fun watching the Broncos play starters. Yeah. Wow. You know, <laughs> it's been it's been fun watching those guys play and make plays because – I think both quarterbacks, hell, I think even Rippon has more yards passing and than uh, than the Falcons have net passing yards in two games. So it's been refreshing watching the Broncos go out and throw beatdowns on people. And I'm, you know, Nick, I'm already reading through the comments and I'm seeing some of this angst and toxicness starting to seep in here. When you're fighting tooth and nail against each other after about what is it about sixty-seven to ten combined wins. Let's get some perspective here. Yeah. <laughs> it doesn't matter. You know, I we'll talk about who we think should be starting quarterback or not. Yep. But the point is, you should be excited about what you see from the quarterback play. Yep. Whoever it is right now is going to help the Denver Broncos win football games. Exactly. And I mean, watching these both both the Vikings and the Seahawks games, which let's call them as they were. They were beatdowns and it's preseason, you know, yada yada, whatever. Um and a lot is uh, going on to the quarterback battle right now. But this is a talented Broncos roster. It's a deep Broncos roster. And let's say worst case scenario for the Broncos situation. Let's say for just the perspective I'm seeing on Twitter and whatnot, it is Teddy Bridgewater's name, the starter, because Drew Locke, you know, is struggling in the meetings or doesn't have the leadership or the the hold of the locker room like Bridgewater does. Um, and you have a bottom fourth quartile quarterback play this season. The rest of the roster is good enough where you can make the playoffs and make some noise. Now, that's that is that a sustainable model for winning football games long term? No, but right now is where we are, right? You didn't take Justin Fields. You didn't take Mac Jones. You didn't go up for Trey Lance. You didn't get Matt Stafford. You didn't get Aaron Rodgers. You have the guys you have, and you have a good roster around them. You can win football games that way. There, there's well, more I'll, than one way. I'll tell you what. The one thing the one thing I've learned watching preseason stuff is I can see why you go with Patrick Sertan at yeah. number yeah. nine instead of going for a quarterback. Right yeah. now, if I'm the general manager, I feel pretty good pretty good about the quarterback position for the Denver Broncos. I think we can win games. Who can help us win more games? You know, if you were drafting a quarterback there, he wasn't going to help you win games this year. Yeah, but Patrick Sturkan can. And if you yes. feel comfortable with the quarterback position, let's go with a guy that can help us win right now. And and Sertan, Sertan's going to do that. A quarterback wouldn't have. Not this yeah. year. Nope, that's more of a long-term investment, and uh, that was really much an investment in uh, Vic Fangio by George Payton. Let's get to the, speaking of investments here, let's get to these Super Chats. Uh, Max Power coming in here with uh, two pounds um, over across the pond. Good morning to you, Max, or good afternoon, evening. Um, should the Broncos sign Will Parks or keep the guys they have? Um, I think the answer here is pretty uh, simple for me. You keep the guys you have. You have depth at safety. Um, most of those guys have looked pretty good. PJ Locke has looked good. Caden Stearns has looked good. You still have an investment in Jamar Johnson, who's just a rookie. Uh, Kareem Jackson, Justin Simmons. Probably no reason to go out there and sign Will Parks, barring a uh, serious injury to one or two of those guys, which, you know, knock on wood, that doesn't happen. Um, but, you know, Will Parks, he was good for the Broncos and, uh, you know, be fun personality, outspoken on Twitter as well. Um, but uh, probably don't go out and pay him. Yeah, they, the defensive backfield looks good, uh, unfortunately. Well, unfortunately or fortunately, depending on how you look, when you're watching those condensed games and you see Ojemudia go down and hold his knee, I, I, I went, oh, no, because it, it immediately goes right to the next play. So I went and hit Twitter, did a search on him, and, you know, it says four to six weeks. I'm like, okay, good. Um, you know, something like that, then you, you think about it. But I, I don't think you necessarily need – right now, you got to be thinking about who you're going to lose, not who you're going to add unless something comes up. you you got to lose 27 guys 
yeah. in the next seven days. So I don't think you're looking about players to be adding as a, unless somebody jumps up that you know, hey, this guy can help me win right this minute because you got to make you got to make a couple dozen cuts in the next in the next week. Yep. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, we got DBA saying good morning, Broncos. Uh, Jay Roper's in the house. Mo Ron's in the house. U.S. Dave is in the house. Morning. Um, we had another super chat here. You guys, the comments are popping, which I love. Max saying also Nick and Scott are my faves. Unbiased coverage. Um, Max, I like that you. Th- I like that we give up the persona of not being biased. Everybody has their own uh, biases coming into it, but um, it's, it's it's kind of the thing where I believe, at least, if you're aware of them, you have a better chance to uh, push against them. Where yeah, somebody's yeah, like, "Oh, I'm everybody's biased," so you know, just can you acknowledge them and be? I'll be transparent about it. You know, be transparent mm-hmm. about it. This is these are my biases. I'll let you know. You know, Scott, you're a southerner. You're biased to this. Yeah, yeah, I am. So yep. keep that in mind. <laughs> Iowa Hawkeyes. Here. I like defense in a running game. I like I like that. Doesn't exist anymore, but I like it. <laughs> the tight end in the wide zone, baby. Let's go. Um, good morning, Nick and Scott from EJ. Good to see you, EJ. We had another super chat here. Sorry, guys, playing a uh, host and uh, producer here. Never the easiest. Um, base case coming in with a five dollar super. Uh, poor incompetence to pass up on fields just to start Teddy. Unless we get Rogers next season, of course. Um. You know, that's I, I don't disagree with your opinion there, uh, base case, because I was a big fan of Justin Fields. Um, if you guys have been following me at all, you'd know that was the case. Um, but there was something there in the evaluation for the Broncos, whether that be epilepsy or something else that gave them pause to the point of how much they loved Patrick Sertan. So I'm going to sit here and I'm going to tell you guys the same people very, being very upset about seems like the team leaning towards Teddy Bridgewater over Drew Locke, you know, with same thing you guys told me at that time. You know, trust the decision makers. They're they're the position they are, and you can question them. That's fine. Um, but um, you know, you got to support whoever they have if you're going to be supporting this team. Some you can still question them. That's fair. But uh, I think I don't know if it'd be poor incompetence. And people have hinted too. People have hinted there is more there to the fields for the Broncos' um, analysis of him. So we'll see. Maybe it'll be a mistake in the long run. That's possible. Maybe we'll be back in the quarterback. Uh, searching the quarterback desert again uh, next season. It's possible, but uh, we have what we have right now. Well, if if history is any indication, Josh Rosen will be available after the Falcons take a quarterback in the top five next year. So, no. Um, you, you have to trust your evaluations, and if you didn't like Mac Jones and Justin Fields, you don't take them. Yep. Plain out. Uh, you, don't, you don't take them. So, if you thought that that was the right way to go, I, I told you I would have taken them at two. You know, I, I was a huge fan of Justin Fields. I would have taken him at two. So I think it wasn't just the Broncos that passed over him, but it only takes one team to ignore any of that outside noise because the Bears made a trade as if they were going into the top five to get him. So they they had him higher on their board. And, and we'll see. It, again, Nick and I have had this discussion several times. If Patrick Sertan turns into the guy that we think he can turn into, then it's not as big a loss as it, it, it might feel. The, the whole thing in, in, in recruiting and, and scouting all that stuff, stuff, it's not the guys you miss on that hurt you. It's the guys you get and can't play. Those are the guys that kill you. Patrick Sertan can play. He's going to help this team yep. with football games. Yep, absolutely. I agree with you 100% there. Um, he will help them win football games. Also, he's a, a building block piece on the in the defensive backfield that they're going to have for the next – 10 years. Um, so that, and it's one of the most important positions in football too. It's not like they wasted, wasted a pick, but it's not like just a safety or a linebacker or an interior offensive lineman or a running back. You're talking about arguably the second most valuable position in football that you have locked down for five seasons. Um, so that's, 
it's hard not to be excited about Sertan in that regard. Um, so let's get to the quarterback battle here. Um, and I think we got to start with uh, how competent Teddy Bridgewater looked against the Seahawks. Now I know the Seahawks were starting. I think when I was watching, I was trying to do it while uh, taking care of the dog and getting some stuff unpacked from yesterday, but I counted five <laughs> starters um, for the Seahawks um, and the Broncos went out there and I thought they looked pretty darn good. Now, honestly, my biggest takeaway was uh, Teddy Bridgewater looked competent in the face of pass rush. And that concerned me a lot. I thought the offensive line uh, specifically the interior struggled uh, against pass rush. And that was both for Bridgewater and Locke. but Bridgewater looked more competent in the face of pressure than drew Locke did. I think he's got more arm than he gets credit for too. Yeah. You know, you think of him as a game manager, you know, that pass to Judy was put on a rope. You know, mm-hmm. that was, that was on a line. That was, a, that was a really good pass. I mean, we can pick this apart and, you know, I don't want to be a, 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 you know, just kill the whole mood here, but the, the, the difference between the two as starters, you know, they've both been terrific. Mm-hmm. Um, the, you know, in so, the season, Teddy, Teddy got his chance to start mm-hmm. two touchdown drives, uh, went for it on a, on a, on a fourth down. Would they do that in a game? Maybe it was about the 40 yard line. That's where I'd go for fourth and short every time. Um, you know, so got an extension there. Um, you know, I, I had some notes notes on this. Actually, honestly, a lot of my notes ended up on defense from this game. So, um, you know, I, there were some young guys I, I enjoyed playing, but uh, enjoyed watching. But, you know, Bridgewater, I said he stepped into the par- pocket nice on that fourth down play and threw a dart, just a dart to Jerry Judy. Yeah. Um, didn't we see something similar like that? We highlighted something just like that last week as, as uh, Drew Locke stood tall in the pocket trusted his pass rush, stepped up, hit Judy, you know, let, let him, you give, you give the quarterback enough time. Um, Jerry Judy's going to get open, you know, <laughs> he's yeah. probably open anyway, give enough time to find him. But Teddy Bridgewater was great. You know, what, what more can you say about the, the, two, the, the two games that he's played um, for in the preseason for the Denver Broncos, you know, what three touchdown drives and four drives or something. I mean, he, he's been fantastic. Yeah. And he had like, what is a QBR QB rating of like 134, 143, something like that. So couldn't be better than that. Uh, also can't be better. Greg Smith coming in here. Good morning, fellas. Aloha. Aloha. <laughs> Jamal Killings is in the house as well. Vinny J gentlemen. Good morning. Go Broncos. I don't care who's playing. Let's win. Football is back y'all. And honestly, that should be the, let's end the show right there. Football's back. Let's, let's be excited. Um, no, that it's, you're totally right. Uh, Teddy Bridgewater looked well. He looked competent. Um, you highlighted the Jerry Judy pass, which was great. I also loved the the touchdown pass on third and short. Now that's something that Teddy Bridgewater, uh, historically not not even historically, but the last season, this season, there's been some talk of him not having the mustard, not having the pure arm talent to deliver in the red zone. Um, but when KJ Hamler can cook the guy like that at the line of scrimmage, and Teddy can throw with anticipation, you can score touchdowns. And the, the other play that I, I knocked here was another one where, because, you know, Teddy Bridgewater was a, a really good athlete. We talked about him before. I was like, he could have been a D1 college safety. Um, you know, so a lot of times those guys get knocked for run first pass. But, you know, that's not Teddy Bridgewater. Teddy Bridgewater knows how to play quarterback. The other the other pass I highlighted in my notes was a, a 21-yarder to Saubert, Aaron Saubert, where he stepped up nicely in the pocket. You know, just a pure pocket presence mm-hmm. with the feet in there to – be mobile, avoid the rush, stay put, and make a nice pass to Aaron Saubert. Yep. And that's honestly, that was my favorite pass of the game, uh, the Eric Saubert pass. Uh, Saubert has been playing well. Um, he looks like he's going to be the Broncos' uh, number two tight end. Um, and Peter coming in and saying, good morning, Broncos for Rebecca. It's good to see you. Peter and Gary Leeds Palmer always coming in with the stars. We appreciate you guys. Um, 
EJ coming here talking about uh, Salbert's been looking good. Fant, where are you at? Don't worry, fans, fans coming, buddy. Uh, he's going to have a good season this year. I have no doubt about that. But Salbert's been uh, playing pretty well. And uh, I think not putting Albert Okoyebunam on notice, but as far as the tight end two battle, I think Okoyebunam's probably the third tight end on this roster, uh, given how good Salbert's looked and also uh, how solid Salbert is as that attached uh, tight end to the offensive line. And you know uh, Salbert. He was a Falcon for a bit. One of the one of the comments that I, I I'm reading in here says from Drew Smith on Facebook says uh, Carolina could not wait to get rid of Teddy. They replace him with Darnold, and he's seeing ghosts out there. My confidence in Teddy is shaky when he starts playing against starting defenses. Drew, I I think that we 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 are in the wait and see approach for both of these guys. Yep. You know the preseason has been terrific, but it's still the preseason. Of yep. uh, you know the 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 comment we used last week was. These quarterbacks and the Denver Broncos in general were answered the questions that were asked of them. There's going to be a lot more questions, a lot more. Yep. And the other part we've said is that this this discussion, this debate, isn't going to end when a starter's named by any stretch of the imagination, unless someone goes out and plays like these guys have as starters. If you start them and they go first two drives, touchdowns, big wins, about three times in a row, then it gets quiet. That doesn't happen. Well, yep. you're not you're not going to win back-to-back-to-back-to-back games by 30 points. So this discussion is going to keep going. The positive take that I have from all of this is that one of the – you could flip a coin right now and be comfortable with whoever's starting. You really could. Now, you're not going to. You're going to pick a guy. And uh, maybe we get into, you know, where you go with this. Where you go with this, Nick? Where where do you go right now based on what you've seen in the preseason – you know, flip your coin. Who are who are you starting? Let's let's get it out there because we haven't said it, and there's a lot of people. There's a lot of discussion going on. Based on what I've seen, um, I think it's close enough that I would probably lean Drew Lock because we kind of know what Teddy is, and I think it's easier to transition from a struggling te- uh, Drew Lock to Teddy Bridgewater. But that being said, the Broncos have played two teams that have been resting a majority of their starters, and while preseason is what we can we can see right from where we're sitting the reps in practice, the scrimmages that they had, uh, how they're interacting in the locker room and in the meetings also has a heavy weight on that. And that's something that unless we're there in the room as one of those teammates or decision makers, we wouldn't know. So it's close enough on the field from what I've seen that I would lean Drew Locke, but that other stuff could lean it the other way drastically. Um, So we're not working with a, we're trying to uh, come up with a a picture here with uh, half of the puzzle pieces. Right. Yeah. And so. and we've gone, you know, we're not watching all the practices and everything, but, you know, the reports are this and the reports are pretty much dead even. I mean, they yeah. really are. You can you can kind of read into who wants whom to start based on how they write. It's like, you know, doing a Google search on political headlines. I can yeah. tell you who wrote the article by the title before yeah. I even know what it's about. Um, I can tell you, you know, what what site this is coming from, because there is no middle ground hardly anymore oh. going into this. We flat out said, if it's close, you want Drew Locke. He's yep. the guy who's younger. He's got more upside. He still has the improvement to go up. And from what we have seen on the field, I, I haven't seen much difference in the yep. results. Uh, I would start. I'd start Drew Locke week one. Um, I like what he as a starter. He was fantastic. He came in and struggled a little bit against the Seahawks. But the first thing that I noticed. Uh, the notes I took, I said, Locke's a little unlucky. He got the second unit offensive line. His drive was killed by a sack by Calvin Anderson uh, when he had flipped to left tackle. 
in his first one. And then uh, Muti, I think that is that how you pronounce his name, Mutai Muti, reserve uh, offensive lineman. He had a nightmare. He he had a nightmare in there on the offensive line. He was getting turnstiled the first couple series that Drew Locke was in. And he still did okay. Locke still had decent numbers. Yeah, it wasn't as good as Teddy Bridgewater with the starters, but Bridgewater yeah. wasn't quite as good as Locke's with the starters last week either. Yeah. So I, th- I think Teddy Drew Locke had the best performance so far in what we have in that Vikings game, but Teddy combined in both the Minnesota and the Seattle game was better than Drew Locke. But it's so close that again, I lean towards youth, uh, tools, years of control, contract, upside. Upside con- yes, exactly. And, mm-hmm. uh, and also there's this thing. I really hate this argument. People think like growth is linear year by year. Like, Oh, every single year, a guy's going to get better. Has Patrick Mahomes actually gotten that much better than he was his second year when he almost broke the touchdown record? No. I mean, he kind of was, is what it is. I and mean, there's linear growth in the NFL. is not a thing. Guys kind of plateau. It's, it's, it's up and down. Um, so this ex- expectation that, you know, like just because Drew Locke is younger, he's going to continue to go like this. That's not how it works. That's just no, not how it works. That's, that's the hope. It might not go up at all. It could go down, you know, yeah. or, or stay flat. You know, you are who you are, but 18 games as a starter. Um, most of those coming with a shortened preseason and a ton of injuries. Yeah. Um, if the preseason is going to be how we're making this decision and not what happened in the past, I'm, I'm going Drew Locke. I'm going to start Drew Locke. Yeah. And, and I'm going to feel Andrew. real good about having Teddy Bridgewater there if Drew Locke struggles. Yeah, um, and I want to circle back to this real quick, but I want to get to some of these um, stars here. Andrew Lampy coming in here. Good to see you. Nice cup of coffee here from Peter Middleton. Uh, Gary Leeds Palmer also coming in here. Love Gary. Um, Gary's always so nice. Uh, get Broncos for breakfast, the best MHH pod. You rock. Um, thank you very much, Gary. I appreciate you a heck of a lot. Um, but yeah, no, this other thing about uh, Teddy Bridgewater versus Drew Locke is that when we're making the decision, we're going based on preseason and whatnot, but you have to also take into consideration the players in the locker room, right? Like there's going to start to form camps and that's not always great. But if you have the pass catchers of the offensive line leaning one way, you think the coaches would be listening to that, right? Like that's, that's gotta be a factor in it as well. There's this intangible side of things and not that one guy has it more than the other, but it's something that we're not seeing from where we're standing. And that has to be a big factor, especially when you're talking about a very young offense overall, that is uh, ascending versus a more established defense, right? Am I, am I crazy to think that? Um, I, I, one, one question, I, I get distracted easily watching the chat. And, and there was yeah. something here that, that really caught my eye I wanted to hit on because we use the phrase a lot. And let's, let's explain it. And Jody Moncrief says, uh, what does more upside mean? Can throw deeper. Um, upside typically means better physical tools. So mm-hmm. he's bigger, faster, not necessarily faster. He might be now with, with after Teddy's leg injury. But typically, when you're talking about upside about a, a player, an athlete, it's bigger, faster, stronger. So Drew Locke is bigger. He's got a bigger arm. That means he can make throws that Teddy just can't. So all things being equal, you say that Drew Locke has a better ceiling because he can make throws that Teddy can't. Yep. Now, Quarterback is the absolute hardest position to talk about upside because mm-hmm. so much of what makes a good quarterback isn't valued on bigger, faster, stronger. It's all what they can do under pressure, mm-hmm. uh, accuracy, uh, leadership, all of those type of things, the intangibles, the it factor. So things aren't all equal when it comes to that. So and, and quarterback's the position where the physical tools are the least important compared to every other position on the football on the field. They're still incredibly important, obviously. But more upside with him means if they're all equal, he can progress to a level that Teddy can't because he's got a bigger arm. 
Yep. Better athlete, stronger arm. Um, those are probably the two biggest ones there. And that gets you a foot in the door, especially when you're talking like draft evaluation, you know, some guys are haves or have nots when it comes to the arm talent, the athleticism, the size. Um, but that doesn't guarantee anything. Um, so like if we're talking about guys with the biggest arms in football, equating to being incredible quarterbacks, Cardale Jones would be starting somewhere. That dude had an absolute howitzer, but, uh, didn't sound like he was the, the hardest worker out there you know he had the uh i didn't go to ohio state to, to do no school or whatever the tweets uh, he, he, he i couldn't believe he played quarterback honestly i when he was picked i watched him coming up through the through the ranks and people started talking about him about first round i'm like my god does anybody not watch football anymore he was huge with a huge arm and but he like, had a windmill release he made tim tebow yeah. look like he had a quick release yeah, yep. you know, yes, I did. mean, he was a he was a tight end. Terrell Pryor had a better throwing motion than this guy. Yeah. And Terrell Pryor should have been straight wide receiver. Yeah, man. Cardell Jones talked today. You know, we're in the weeds, um, but that's that's the biggest one there um, as far as uh, talking about the upside there. Um, yeah, the, had- arm, the arm strength is the biggest rabbit hole you can go in and quarterback. And, and with with baseball, at least, you know, hey, if I get this guy throwing strikes at 95, I've got something. But the arm strength, again, take this out of context. I'm going to sound like an idiot. You know, when I, when I say that speed can be overrated, arm strength can be overrated for sure. That's yeah. I think that's an, a safer comment when you're talking about quarterbacks and and their ability to play. Call it the enough factor. Does he have enough arm to play at this level? The answer is yeah. yes. Then what else are you looking for? It, it reaches a point of diminishing returns, mm-hmm. right? It's a, it's a threshold based argument. Um, Andrew Lampy coming in here. Thank you so much, Andrew. We appreciate you. Um, and Peter also is coming back in with more stars here. Michael Ronquillo also always good to see. Um, thank you so much, uh, Michael. Um, let's get into this game here real quick, more so as far as, uh, outside of the quarterback, um, and Tyler with a good comment here. It's not about the, really the distance, um, it travels and talking arm talent. It's the velocity. I don't think the distance matters. A lot of guys can throw it deep. It's a uh, speed A to B, right? That's, that's what velocity well, is. Well, and, and the other part of it is, is, you know, can, can you get off a good throw without having a put, use your whole body into it? You know, Matt Stafford can be on his back foot and flick his wrist on a line. Uh, I had this discussion one time. The Auburn fans were killing me on this quarterback that I just didn't like. I'm like, he's undersized, underarmed, and he's slow. What you know, that doesn't play in an option offense. Like, well, he won the farthest toss competition at some camp combine. I'm like, that's a javelin throw. You know, when when there's a guy coming in at him and he's got to reach around and throw across to an out, he's skipping it. So yeah, you might be able to, to wind up, crow hop, and throw the ball 60 yards, but who's got the stronger arm? Just pure arm talent, and that's a that's yeah. a big difference. So what you're talking about for, is is definitely, um, you know, it's velocity, but it's also velocity from can you get velocity on it without having to set your feet? That's when you can start checking arm strength. Yep, absolutely. Uh, we got Peter coming in saying Nick and Scott, who is Bulls standing with on the sidelines? It was Teddy. Who do they want to stand on desert island with? It was Teddy. Our LT wants Teddy. There's a lot of money put in the LT, so he'll get some kind of say in it. And there's they're gonna, you know, they're gonna take the temperature of the locker room. There's no doubt about that. But thank you for the comment um, there, Peter. There was another one here. Oh, here you go in your neck of the woods, Scott. Good morning, Broncos country, representing from Savannah, Georgia, Denver Broncos for life. Um, so thank you very much, Mark. With the uh, you haven't been to Savannah slash Charleston. They're two very similar towns, two of the best towns in the entire United States. I put Seattle right up in there too, as far as my favorite places to go. Beautiful Savannah and Charleston, South Carolina, two of the two of the best towns in the country. Well, there you go. Um, KB eighty two coming in. Don't you think the choice of who starts at quarterback should be up to Shermer and who he thinks plays best in his system? No doubt about it. Vic Fangio is going to take what Shermer has to say into account because. If Shermer succeeds, Fangio succeeds. And if Shermer fails, 
Fangio fails and they're either both in the job another year or they're both fired. Um, but in the end, it will be Vic's decision. He's going to take any good leader. They're not just making the decision by themselves in a closed room. They're listening to the people that they put, they surround themselves with, hopefully smart people, and taking that all into account to make the best, most informed decision possible. Because Vic Fangio can't be everywhere at once also, but he still has to make the best decision for the overall team. So, um, And it's a, it's a decision based on 2021 as well, not you know long-term, year-by-year. These are guys that are trying to win football games right now. This is a roster that's ready to win football games right now. Um, so, you know, they'll have to go with the best guy. Yeah. It, the offensive coordinator has got to have total buy-in and a good leader is going to listen, but you know, the head coach can fire an offensive coordinator pretty easily. <laughs> yep. So it's going to come down to, uh, it, it, the, the, all decisions start at the top. I mean, it's, it, they, they, it ends at the top. But yeah, the offensive coordinator, I, I'd be shocked if they are di- in disagreement on who starts. I'd be shocked. Yep, absolutely. So uh, it does sound like it's leaning towards Teddy Bridgewater right now. Um, it's close enough where I think all t- Twitter and just social media has been so toxic right now, and I'm really not trying to feed into that. But guys, we can be excited about this team, even if the quarterback play isn't great this year. This has this such a young, exciting offense, an offensive line that should be ascending, and the defense is going to be as good as it was since 2015. I mean, let's let's get into the defense a little bit. Pat, you talked about Patrick Shatan out there looking pretty good. I saw him give up a completion, but, you know, okay, it's going to happen sometimes, especially when McGrone or whoever that quarterback was uh, breaks out into some space. Um, but uh, Jonathan Cooper. Uh, sixth round, seventh round pick for the Broncos, number 53, out there flashing constantly, had the strip sack, uh, applying pressure like crazy. Um, he may not be the you know starting edge rusher that you're looking to replace Von Miller with down the line, but when you have, what is it, one, uh, two years left of control of Malik Reed, and you can transition from Malik Reed to another cost-controlled guy who honestly is probably more of a power player, um, which I think Fangio wants for the defense, that's a good thing. So Jonathan Cooper caught my eye consistently, and that boy was uh, making plays. For sure. And, and Malik Reed did too. So it was yes, the, the two of them that, were, that I've got in my notes all over the place where to the point that I just wrote a, a paragraph on each of them mm-hmm. uh, going into this. But for, for me on Jonathan Cooper, yeah, he was co- completely disruptive. Yep. So you're like, really okay, he's not, you know, a, a combine warrior. So, yep. you know, he, he's not going to jump off the, uh, off a spreadsheet when you're, when you're looking at guys for height, weight, agility, all this type of stuff. So what is it? So I, I went back and I started watching some of this plays he has violent hands. They're just violent. And that's how he is. He's got a quick first step. He's getting his hands on people and he's just dispatching them or, you know, getting their hand, getting the other player's hands off of him. That for me is his superpower. What, what is making him so effective? His hands. It's something that we don't always talk about because it's not something that's easy to measure. But when you watch him going after the passer, watch his hands because yeah. that's where he is beating the man that's put in front of him is uh he's when he's winning up top and it's it was fun to watch he had a great uh a great game yeah no absolutely um some other guys on the defense that stood out to me um i thought deshaun williams had a heck of a game it was exciting to see him i was happy to see draymond jones out there he wasn't as dominant as i was hoping in the short uh time he was out there but um he uh i'm excited to see what he can do this year bradley chubb got the sack like i said justin simmons out there making a pick i think on the first drive as well um looking like one of the top five safeties in football so excited for him this season as well i thought the linebackers were just okay in this game i thought that alexander johnson um was caught guessing a few times and had his hips turned the wrong way and the ball went the other way which was a little bit uh not what you want to see from the linebackers but all in all i thought i mean 30 to 3 
out there dominating. It would have been a different game, obviously, if Russell Wilson was playing. But still, I thought it was overall a uh, a really good performance by the defense. Uh, shout out to Michael Ojemudia. He doesn't sound like it's the worst injury. Um, I thought he was playing pretty well. He had an interception that he should have had. But he all think he, I think he also counted... I think I counted three other pass deflections. Maybe it was just two. He had a good game. Um, and he, I think it's a hamstring in- injury that has him week to week, which is unfortunate. But uh, you have depth at cornerback where you can live with that uh, early this season. Yeah, it, I he caught my eye last week, you know, when we were just, you know, long, uh, active. Yeah. And, you know, you hate to see these guys go down in preseason. Yep. Um, you know, it's not a meaningless game, especially for the guys that are down in the roster spots yep. that are fighting for that. But it, it's 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 a tough blow. Uh, hopefully, because hamstrings can linger. Uh, <laughs> where there's not, there's a timeline on them, but they're just easy to they're easy to aggravate. So hamstrings yeah. can be a little tough. Um, we'll hit the super, and then I, I wanted to get back to a couple of the defender players from from James Grossman. So with the injury history of Drew and Teddy, do you think the Broncos will carry a third QB on the roster? Uh, personally, I wouldn't, um, because if you're going out there with Brett Rippon, um, future coach, probably Brett Rippon, um, you're probably already, you know, kind of punting on games. And there's there's guys like Brett Rippon that are on the waiver wire slash uh, free agency pool every single week, every single year that you could bring in. Um, is it worth it losing out on, you know, that extra wide receiver, that extra safety, that extra defensive lineman to carry Brett Rippon? Not in my opinion. Uh, if, if Also because... Um, you have Drew and Teddy. If one goes down, you're not really taking that much of a step back or forward or whatever um, from that injury. So um, I probably would not burn a roster spot on a third quarterback. Yeah, who who do you have that has again upside? You know, a young guy that yeah. would be happy with a with a uh, practice squad spot um, that you can you can have as an uh, as uh, an emergency. Mm-hmm. I think over the next week, ten days, when let's see, thirty when about a thousand players get cut. Um, over the next over the next uh, over the next week in the NFL, then you start thinking maybe there's a guy you can you can store on the roster because uh, you definitely want to have three around, uh, you know, a familiar, but just not on the maybe not on the active um, 53 man. Um, I was actually a little upset about this because he flashed so well on defense. It was one of the guys I talked about last week. And that I was like, okay, good. He's having another good game. Looking forward to talking about him. Well, then he's got a, a, a fumble recovery. He's got an interception. I'm like, now everybody's going to be talking about it. I'm just going to look like Johnny come lately. Deshaun Williams. Mm-hmm. Love this guy. That's just two weeks in a row. Yep. You know, I say he's, he's a little undersized as far as height. Um, comes out of Clemson. I said, this, this guy is, is, is doing his best Grady Jarrett impression, yep. who has the same profile, fifth round pick out of Clemson. Multiple all-pro player, uh, pro bowler uh, on the interior line. Deshaun Williams has been incredible. And not just with the flash plays. The first time I saw him, I I wrote down, I said, Deshaun Williams stands his man up, again, using his hands, tosses him to the side, and just stones Rashawn Penny. And it was was a second and six. Well, that's the difference between third and six and third and two. And that's a world of difference by making that play in conversion rate and all the, all the possibilities that, that come on there. So Deshaun Williams has been maybe the star of the preseason for me. And wow. not even maybe anymore, just because, you know, then he goes and gets his interception, his fumble recovery. He's getting the, the highlight plays as well, but he's, he's probably been not even probably he's, he's been the star of the preseason for me, for the Denver Broncos outside of how well the quarterbacks have played as starters. Yeah, no, that's, that's a good one. He really flashed a lot. Um, and he might be the team's, 
fifth defensive lineman, right? Like you have uh, Draymond Jones, you have Shelby Harris, you got Mike Purcell coming back from injury, but still he's the nose tackle. You got McTelvin Ajim, who was a third round pick investment, who's flashed a lot in camp. And then you got Deshaun Williams out there. So it really is stacking up to be a pretty darn good uh, interior yeah, defensive if line. If you're sitting at five in a three man line, you're going to get a lot of snaps. Yep. You're going to get, you're going to get a lot of time and it, you shouldn't see any drop off when he's in there. I mean, you could nope. see some improvement. I mean, He's been Fresh really, legs. really good. Yeah, you know no, he's not. going against he's going against offensive linemen that are battling for jobs too. Yep. You know, even if the, and he's he's been he's been starting, so he's been going against some first team guys. He's just been he's been really impressive, really impressed with Deshaun Williams. Yeah, and shout out! I know that uh, Mike Munchak gets a lot of credit, rightfully so, for the Broncos' offensive line. But uh, on the other side of the ball, they have one of the best in the business, also in Bill Kolar, uh for the defensive line. So uh, he's done a lot of good work with those guys, and he deserves a shout out as well. Um, Peter coming in here, who has been your biggest disappointment this preseason? Um, I'm going to mainly lean into preseason here and mine would be Lloyd Cushenberry. Um, he still looks like he's struggling there at the center position. Um, and it's, you know, he's a linchpin for the offensive line. And if he is, you know, a, one of the bottom five centers again, this season, that really caps how good your offensive line can be. Um, so I know Quinn Miners had some snaps at center. I, be- I believe, um, watching it again, just one time through. And I thought he looked good there. I just don't think. Based on who I've, what I've, based on what I've heard from talking with some people in the organization, uh, it doesn't sound like they're going to put Quinn Miners in a position to be a starting center early this season. It would be more likely, you know, like when you have a young quarterback and the season kind of falls away, and you're like, okay, we need to see what we have here and get him some live reps to evaluate off of. That's more likely for Miners at center this season. Um, but Cushionberry uh, has disappointed me a bit, and I think uh, his struggles on the interior have also led to struggles at uh, the guard position as well. Um, and he did play some center. He played. Uh, he yeah. played guard. I, I thought Miners had a great game. Uh, I yeah, was he did. Fo- it's a guy yeah. we've talked about a lot, so I was kind of f- focusing as much on him as anybody on the offensive line. And I thought he was really good uh, in the second half. I don't know if it was late third or, or early fourth when I was watching. He he moved yep. to center, had a a quarterback sneak. You know, I was like, well, that was that that was a tap in. You know, that was that was a gimme. He drives this guy three yards back and Drew Locke or Rippin, I, I don't remember who the quarterback was at the time, just has to fall forward. I mean, it was, mm-hmm. you know, he, the guy mm-hmm. moves people. Do you want him running the offensive line just yet? You know, maybe not. But yeah. if he's your best option, you know, he's I, I thought I thought he was he had a really good game. Um, I don't want to say disappointment in the, for the preseason, but uh, Mooty, the other another offensive lineman, he had a he had a bad game. Yes, he did. He had a bad game. So um, that would be uh, that'd be my pick for for this week of guys. You know, if I'm if I'm writing up risers and fallers, I'd, I'd go Mooty right there for, uh, for for faller. He didn't he didn't have a very good game. Yeah, no, he struggled a good bit. Um, that was unfortunate, but uh, you know, is what it is. Um, another guy that uh, disappointed me this week is um, oh my god, his name is escaping me right now. Oh, this is bad. I'm supposed to know these things. Broncos special teams coach. Special teams, once again, look pretty poor in this game. I know it's just preseason, but um, that's been an issue for the Broncos, uh, especially on kickoff uh, returns. So one of my notes on this, and they showed a replay, Josh Watson got tackled from behind on that big DJ Dallas return to open it up. I'm like, good Lord, if you're not going to call that, just put the flags away. Yeah. Um, and so, he was just you know, cut, by the way, Josh Watson. Yeah, was just I saw cut, that. Right? I saw that in the chat and, uh, you know, Watson got held. Mm-hmm. I mean, like not just held, but horse collared. You got two hands on his mm-hmm. one on his shoulder pad and one on the back of his neck. That's a hold, you know, and it, he goes yeah. right in the DJ Dallas goes right through that hole for about 37 yards. So um, that, that would have been, I, I try and give him a little bit of the doubt on, on that play, especially. 
Yeah. On the no. flip side of that, on special teams, Deontay Spencer's looked really good uh, as a return man. Yeah, he's going to be a tough one um, to move on from. I just think if you can find somebody who offers more than just pure returnability, you have yeah, to do that. I didn't necessarily like him at receiver. <laughs> no, nope, not at all. Um, but another thing here that's uh, kind of <clears throat> leaning me in here. Yeah, it was Tom McMahon. You're right, guys. Um, my favorite coach. Um, but um, another thing here that when I'm talking about uh, Lloyd Cushenberry, just circling back here, this might be the decision making for me as well. And we know that, you know, Drew Locke last year, shortened season, injured offense, et cetera, et cetera. Only 18 starts to his career so far. But Cushenberry is struggling right now. The interior offensive line looked like they were getting beat up pretty good. And the offensive line is probably just going to be. You have a good left tackle, um, but the offensive line, how it's shaping up right now, probably be average. Maybe, you know, air bar five notches down, five notches up. In that case, you got to ask yourself, who's the quarterback that can handle the pressure the best? Who's the best that can navigate the pocket? Who's the best that doesn't lose their head when they feel pressure and things fall to the wayside? And both quarterbacks were under pressure a lot in the Seattle game, unlike the Vikings game where both, you know, they didn't even need to put their jerseys in the wash after that game because the offensive line was uh, doing so well. Um, but that's not going to be reality in the NFL. That's not a fair expectation. Also, you can, oh, the, it's, it's, um, unless we have the best offensive line in the NFL, it's not fair to evaluate the quarterbacks. You don't evaluate these guys in a perfect system. You have what you have. Um, so I think that might be another big decision making uh, maker as well for the quarterback position. Who is the best when things are not perfect around them and who can protect the football and move the offense when things break down? And I got to say, it was small sample size. It's preseason. You know, it was not the most reps in the world. But uh, Teddy was under pressure. He navigated the pocket really well. And there was a few plays, even though he just got to a check down, that allowed the Broncos to make some plays. And also, shout out to Royce Freeman. I thought Royce Freeman. Yeah, actually, I was waiting for that yes. one. I was like, Royce. I was like, what about what about Royce? His rushing numbers yes. don't look, you know, they look okay. Nine carries, twenty-seven yards, but he seemed to have a much bigger impact on the game. That you know, he had forty-four mm-hmm. yards receiving. But man, I love North South. Break a tackle, fall forward. I, I thought Royce Freeman looked like a guy you'd want on your roster. I mean, yep. we've talked about him maybe not doing enough because he's not going to do some special teams. But as I'm watching him, I'm thinking, hmm, you know, if he gets cut, he, he's not going to be out of work for long. Yeah, no, absolutely. That's that's a uh, – I thought I thought he looked pretty good in this game. Um, So hopefully they can trade him, even if it's just like a conditional seventh-round pick when Mike Boone comes back. But uh, he did really well. Also, I want to give a shout-out to – I think it was the fourth and fifth – play um from teddy bridgewater that he completed a jerry judy javonta williams picked up a blitzer up the a or b gap that's how you get in the game you protect your quarterback he it i he stonewalled that guy so hard like that that guy's probably feeling it right now like his teeth probably chattered because he got jolted so hard by javonta williams and for a rookie running back to come in and show that in pass protection whoo i I was i was hot uh, hot beneath the collar i i don't know how it's it's so hard to explain how fast and violent this game is. I mean, if you've got a chance even just to go to a high school game and go down on the field and watch at that level, and then to and then ramp that up three speeds and size mm-hmm. for this, I mean, it's a violent it's it's frightening down there at, at, at the way these guys are going after each other. So, you know, you get a dog like that and Javante Williams and there's a you know several phrases I use in scouting, and one of them they say you can't measure somebody's heart. I said, but you can, you can damn sure tell if they've got one or not. Watch them on special teams and watch them in pass pro. Watch a running back when he's got blitz pickup. Are you gonna? Can you count on him? Can you trust him when it matters? Javante Williams, check. We just we just put a check mark next to his name. Yeah, man. He 
he jolted that guy so hard and I'm excited to see what Gordon can do this year. And I really think, you know, we're talking about the Broncos offensive line struggling in uh, the past game. And I think that probably be the case this year, but if you can play complimentary football, you know, going back to the nineties, uh, great defense with a good run blocking offensive line and running backs that you can lean on keeping the game close. And then using how the Broncos are, uh, all right, just using the, the play action pass to set up big, efficient chunk plays and also keeping the defense honest with that, that can win football games. I know it's not the star Wars stuff. It's not that 2013 Broncos with Peyton Manning. Um, but just a few years ago, we saw the Titans go all the way to the AFC championship game with a, not a high prolific pass offense. They made the switch mid season to go from Marcus Mario to Tana to Tannehill. They leaned on the defense, which is not as good as the Broncos is going to be this year. And obviously Derrick Henry, but Derrick Henry is just one man. And he also does not bring very much to the past game where you also have Melvin Gordon and Javante Williams. So it's a formula where you can win games. All you have to do in that scenario, get into the playoffs. Once you get in the playoffs, anything can happen in one game with a great defense and a great run game. And if you're run blocking ball, as long as the quarterback doesn't get in the way. Yeah, let's so we're, we're talking playoffs. How about week one? How about the how about the opener? Yeah. Let's let's get there first. Uh who's up next? Who's up who's up next uh this weekend? We close out and you know, how Ryan. much of the starters do you think we'll see going in? I, my point of view is I think you'd want to see a lot of the starters because you got a bye week. You got two weeks off then. Um, mm-hmm. but you know, with roster decisions, decisions and cut downs coming, you know, how much do we expect to see the the starters in uh, in the third week? it's really tough because the Rams aren't going to be playing anybody. And at this point, how much more information are you actually going to gather from again, against the components? Now granted you can get work in to work on chemistry and concepts in those games, but like how they actually look versus the Rams backups, which the Rams are probably one of the shallowest teams in the NFL. Cause they trade away draft picks like crazy. Um, I mean, they, they don't believe in draft picks. Um, so that's we can, one we where, can recruit to LA. We can get whatever free agent we want to in LA. That's true. That's true. Um, but yeah, no, that's a team that I, my evaluation as far as the preseason games is probably over. I'm not going to put very much in the Rams game because they're going to be playing very, very far end back ends and they're going to be playing very simple concepts. And Sean McVay doesn't believe in preseason football himself. I mean, he's he was the trendsetter for not playing guys. It's so, so interesting watching the different philosophies on there because you know how many starters I've seen in two games with the Falcons? Yeah. I've seen two. And one of them was a the guy coming back from injury and needed some reps. And the other was the cornerback battle to see who will end up being the starter. One of those guys will be the starter. That's it. You know, yep. so the Falcons have been on the other side of these 30 to three games that we've been watching with the Broncos. It's like, you know, it's a little early to panic. It'd be kind of fun to see Kyle Pitts out there, um, yep. you know, and, and some of these new guys. But um, it, it's interesting. So I, I think it might be the opposite where basically all the starters play for the Falcons against the Browns on Sunday night. Whereas the Broncos, you might not see any of the starters. Um so we need some football. I'm, or, or I'm, the you know the 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 four play is over. I'm, I'm ready for some football coming up September 12th here. Yep. No, absolutely. You're right. Um, let me see. We got uh, somebody who's asking about getting some Broncos merch. And here we go. Trevor Sandal coming in here. Always a good supporter, saying that we need some Broncos for breakfast merch. If you guys want some Broncos for breakfast merch, I've been asking Chad. Chad, I have my little. Chad posted it. He posted it on uh, on Twitter, saying that there will be some. I'm waiting. I need my coffee mug. Um, uh, we got to get that merch out there. Um, uh, but not only merch I have is, uh, you know, they're these guys, Chelsea. Yeah. I, I, I walk out of the, I walk out of the house pretty much in Chelsea gear. And it's like, it's always in season in international football. They're always yeah. playing. So it's always, it's always football season. 
That's very true. But uh, yeah, get at, get at Chad for that. If you guys are interested in some Broncos for breakfast merch, um, something else that I wanted to get into about this game so far. And with the Broncos quarterback play, let's say they are bottom fourth this season. You have a good roster around them. Even if your roster is a lead around the quarterbacks, if they're not very good, your margin for error is very thin. Broncos had zero, zero penalties in that Seahawks game. It's a disciplined team. It's not something that we've seen the last few seasons. And when your margin for error is so small, having a team that is not shooting themselves in the foot with holdings, false starts, the defensive pass interference, et cetera, that can make or break a game. So yeah, uh, when, when you want to count on a running game and play action, you know what's going to end that game plan? Second and long. Yep. You know, a first and long. Uh, you know, you'll, you'll see, I don't know, they, if it's second and 10, it's always a running play on second and 10 because they'd rather see third and eight than third and 10. Um, but penalties kill the the whole the entire uh, you know idea of play action and oh speaking of which one of my biggest pet peeves in the world I saw the Broncos dude end the second half uh where did I I wrote to see exactly what it was anyway it was 40 seconds left about on the 40 yard line and they were in play action the linebackers aren't gonna bite on a play action all it does is cut down on your you know if they're coming you run a play action, they don't even look at the running back. It just nope. it, that's one of my biggest pet peeves. In a two-minute drill, play action's got to go out of the window. It, it yep. just does. So you're 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 hamstringing your quarterback and your offense. And there's multi-million dollar offensive coordinators that run play action in a two-minute drill. I don't get it. Yeah, you're limiting the amount of time the quarterback has to survey the field because their back is going to be to you know, the play side. Um, and also you're getting rid of uh, play, um, some shotgun looks as well. And I know that some people are like, Oh, why don't, why doesn't Schirmer call play action every single pass? Um, I definitely think there is an argument to be made where you, there should be more play action in general, given how efficient it has. It can be. Well, I, I, don't get me wrong. I love play action, Yeah, but in an absolute passing situation, it's third and 16 and we're going to, we're going to fake a handoff, you know, third and 16, we're going to fake a handoff to the back. Why you just gave the line. There's, there's two linebackers and a nickel and they're coming. You just gave them yeah. three free steps to rush a, a five-man offensive line with a running back who's now on his heels. Yep, I don't get it. Yep, absolutely. Um, that's a good. It's uh, a good point there. But it's like people are asking, "Oh, why doesn't uh, they call play action every time?" Because Drew Locke last year was like a top five quarterback in play action and dead last in non-play action passes. I don't. You're limiting your playbook. A first of all, and I do agree you should have more play action. But quarterback has to be able to be evaluated um, in non-play action situations as well. It's actually one of the more predictive. Um, stats year to year is a quarterback's efficiency rating um, in non-play action passes and also um, in non-pressured plays. Uh, those are the ones that are the most predictive year to year. What, um, where were the Broncos ranked in the running game last, last year? Because you've got to be able to run the ball for play action to work. Otherwise, I'm not yeah. going to respect it. Um, you know, so sometimes mm-hmm. a play action again, if I'm running play action against third and 16, you know, you end up with a dump off to the to yep. to the guy that you faked it to. So I don't again, I don't know all the answers to that one, um, but you can't just run it all the time, obviously, or else you're the, the idea of a play action is basically a misdirection to, to yep. freeze the safeties, to freeze the linebackers. And if you're running it all the time, they're, they're not going to respect it. They're not going to respect that running back again, just like in an obvious passing situation, they're not going to respect the play action because there's no hope of the run. Yep. And, uh, big thing as well as the amount of box players, right? Like just how many guys in the box is a big, very indicative to how efficient you could be in your success rate, both running the football or passing the football. So if you can do either very well, it's complimentary um, and it can, uh, it can push you either way. Um, We had a question here 
from Peter earlier asking which of the Broncos uh, rookies is the least likely to make the team or most likely to be cut. Excuse me. Um, and uh, right now I'm probably leaning towards, I thought he had a good game. Um, and maybe with the Michael Ojemudia injury, it changes thing. But I think just because he's far enough down the depth chart, they might be able to hide him this year. Uh, Kerry Vincent Jr. is one I could see that's cut, but then makes the practice squad. And another one, another seventh round pick, uh, Marquis Spencer. Both guys that um, if you cut them and some other team gobbled them up, you know, they'd be like, ah, that's too bad. Um, but you can probably find another defensive lineman, another nickel cornerback in next go around, next draft cycle if you had to. Um, but I think there's a chance that neither of those guys are gobbled up, especially with the cuts that are on, coming on their way. And uh, you can put those guys on the practice squad. Yeah, every team's about to cut 30 guys. Yep. You know, so they've got guys that they want to keep around too. But Marquis Spencer's a good shout. Um, just because they get cut from the 53 doesn't mean that's the end of them. And he could absolutely use a, a year on the practice squad, development squad, a red shirt, mm-hmm. so to speak, coming out of coming out of Mississippi and Mississippi State. So, uh, good good shout. Um, a little worried about Seth Williams. You know, he flashed and had a nice play. That was a yeah. speaking of, of of good plays. Uh, you know, the shovel pass that after a scramble that Drew Lock had to Seth Williams was a spectacular play by Drew Lock. Nice piece of uh, improv there. <clears throat> um, I'd like to see Drew Lock get or uh, Seth Williams get open a little bit more instead of on a busted yeah. play. He's, but he's, you know, you can yeah. see what he can do when it's, he's got yeah. the ball in his hands. He's a unit. Yeah. I mean, he's big. He's fast. He's athletic. Uh, I watched him again the next few plays. Seth Williams uh, did a decent job in the blocking, but then there was one where he's checking down on a run play, and I don't know if he was supposed to get in front of the outside linebacker to chip him because both the left tackle and the left guard both crashed down on the line, and the linebacker rushed straight in and, and, and ended a play. And and Seth looked a little sheepish after that. So when you're trying to make a roster, you know we talk about and Javante Williams will make a roster, but it's the little plays. It, how you want to make that next step and get on the field. You better be able to protect your quarterback and, and keep those negative plays from happening by doing your assignments off the ball. And I'd be interested to see what the assignment was on that play. If he was supposed to check down a little bit more and chip that linebacker, because he looked a little sheepish after that play. Yeah, I agree with you there. Um, so we'll probably start wrapping it up here. I'm um, seeing if any super chats come in uh, down the uh, coming down the wire, but the beat the buzzer, but uh Closing again on the Drew Lock versus Teddy Bridgewater stuff here. Anybody who's out there, you know, kind of in your feelings, feeling very emotional about, well, how could it be Teddy? You know, we know what Teddy is. Drew Lock has only played 18 games, et cetera, et cetera. If Teddy does win this battle, go back and watch Teddy's press conferences through this offseason, um, through just like the ones he had after this game as well. And all the talk about, I haven't met Teddy personally, not yet, um, but all the talk about him being, you know, one of the nicest guys, one of the most liked people in uh, the NFL landscape in general, it seems like just listening to Teddy talk, I would buy it because he seems like somebody that's worth rallying around. Um, somebody you can be excited about, you know, one of those guys, you know, not to be a Colin a coward type here, but you know, not a backwards hat kind of guy, you know, somebody you can have your daughter uh, date and you'd be fine with it. Teddy seems like an incredible guy. And if he does end up winning the job, I really hope that Broncos country can support him because he, he, he seems what he's gone through to get to this point and just who he is as a person um, is somebody who's worth uh, pulling for in life, not just for the Broncos, but just just in life. He's somebody that I, I want to succeed uh, as a person. I've I've said this before, and I don't know if I've said it on here, um, but I I thought so much of Teddy Bridgewater as a leader and as a player. I think he single handedly turned around in the opposite direction both Louisville and the Miami Hurricanes. He's from Miami Northwestern. I'm getting all my Miami schools confused, but I'm pretty sure he's from Miami Northwestern. He was an absolute Pied Piper in the richest talent area in the country down in Dade Broward. He was beloved by opponents, 
players alike. You put a seven on seven team, you get whoever he wants to. He just people just gravitate for him. They want to play for him. They want to be, and that's a that's one of those intangibles we talk about that you can't you can't uh, you can't quantify. Um, and if he had gone to Miami, I think he totally turns around. All those kids start staying in Miami, and the Miami Hurricanes are on an upward trend. I, I think Teddy Bridgewater single handedly helped reverse the fortunes of both of those teams. That's what kind of person he is. Uh, is he going to be you know a top ten quarterback? Not necessarily. Can he lead this team to a top 10 power ranking? Yeah, absolutely. Can Drew Locke? I think so. I think he yeah. can. I, I, like I said, if we're looking at the preseason and judging by what we've seen through two games, I'm starting Drew Locke. I am. Yep. Yep, absolutely. I, I agree with you there. Um, working with an incomplete puzzle, but coming in here to complete our puzzle today, we're waiting for you. Yeah, Broncos 17-0. Uh, $20 super sticker over on YouTube. The beautiful picture of the sunset there from Broncos 17-0. And, and uh, they also come in and say, uh, hi, late, but your show's still great. Well, thank you very much, uh, Broncos 17-0. We appreciate you. Um, you know, I know that Bronco, It's I've never seen Broncos Twitter so or just social media so toxic. Um, coming off of a 30 to three drubbing. And uh, I just, I just hope that the regular season gets here and whoever the starter is, is who the starter is. Now I'm not looking over the shoulder and uh, you can, let's say that again, I said it before I tweeted it earlier. Let's say the Broncos quarterbacks aren't the guy. Most teams don't have the guy, right? But you have a very good young offense that's uh, ascending. You should have a better offensive line this year. You got pass playmakers on offense out both wazoos, both of them. And the defense looks stacked. You can get create pressure with four. You're deep on the defensive line. The secondary is great. This is going to be a fun team, even if the quarterback isn't what you want. And I know that, you know, very much, you know, you go as far as a quarterback, your long-term success is predicated on how good that quarterback it is, quarterback is. But we're talking 2021. This team, no matter Lock or Bridgewater, they're going to be better than they've been since 2016. And they're going to be fun. I can tell this story how I developed this theory when I was 23 years old, but I figured out that people have a biological need to bitch and moan. They, they just do. Yeah, Because when things are going well, they invent stuff to bitch and moan about things that don't really matter. Yeah. I, I just posted that on my soccer account because that's what they're doing with Chelsea right now. Chelsea's flying. It's great. Things are great. People are upset. Why? Because they have to be. They feel like they have to be upset about something. Yeah, I, I, I get it. You're you're worried about things are good now, but oh, they could fall if this guy's not the quarterback, if this guy's not the quarterback. I, I, just like we talk about, I'm not going to get overly impressed. We're, show me. Let's see. I feel good about the quarterback play for the Denver Broncos with what I've seen. I feel good about either player starting. Mm-hmm. I'll see what they can do. Now show me. Because yep. I also feel good about whoever has to come in. There's depth there. Not every mm-hmm. team can do that. One yep. injury to most of these teams, the season's over. Yep. It's over. Yep. The Broncos are in a good spot. Yeah. Nope. Absolutely. Um, for 2021, at least that could could be worse. It's not Trevor Simeon versus Mark Sanchez versus Paxton Lynch out there playing Madden instead of uh, working in the film room. <laughs> um, Peter Middleton coming in here. What's your ideal breakfast, Scott and Nick? Um, Scott, I'm gonna kick this to you. This is a little fun one here. We talk a lot of football. Um, we're getting on out of here. But what is your what is your go to for breakfast? Well, I, I think Peter already already hit me on this. He says you look you look like a pancake. I actually make wicked <laughs> waffles and pancakes. Mm. Um, Okay. So I'll make that for myself when I'm out, I'll order an omelet. So, you know, kind of when I'm out, I always want to do something that I can't do myself. So I never ordered steak I'm vegetarian now, but I never ordered steak when I was out because I could grill a mean steak myself. So yeah, I make wicked pancakes and waffles. If I go out, I go omelets because they're a little tougher to make. 
Yeah, man, a good omelet with a little a little kick to it. Um, something with some uh, spicy sausage, maybe some jalapenos in it as well, and like a good some sort some sort of sauce on it. That's the way to go. I also what makes a break uh, a good breakfast for me a lot of times is the hash browns. If they are good hash browns, um, if they're like you know, I like the ones that are a little bit crunchy, good flavor, and I can uh, pop some egg yolk over it and eat that up. That's a big difference maker. If not for the hash browns, then it's the how good is the gravy is on the biscuit and gravy says that side. So those are the big things that lean to me. But I love breakfast. Just give it to me. I'm fine either way. Yeah, green chili coming in there. I love a good uh, salsa verde on uh, on anything. Honestly, that's the way to go. Um, but yeah, no guys, that's gonna probably have to do it for us today. Uh, thank you guys so much for coming in. I hopefully we could. Uh, give you guys some good content here and analysis and kind of balance things with some different perspective. Like I said, I'm just hopping out of the wilderness um, last night, getting home at like nine 30. So I, this is pure, my own takes here. I have not really talked with anybody else just watching the game and be like, okay, here are my thoughts. And also it's, seeing, it's, it's kind of fun that way, isn't it? Yeah. It's like, that's, yep. that's why I was upset when Deshaun Williams ended up going off. I'm like, well, now I'm just going to repeat what everybody else is saying about how good Deshaun Williams was. Maybe they weren't, maybe they weren't, but, like I said, Deshaun Williams has been the star of the preseason for me. I love him. Yeah. No, he, they've been great. It was another good win for the Broncos. And uh, this is going to be a fun team this year. Uh, in spite, despite, or because of the quarterbacks. You know, just there's there's more to it than uh, getting on that. So trying to trying to just make sure we have a fuller picture here rather than just pigeonholing ourselves on that one there. Um, but thank you guys so much for joining us today. We appreciate you. We want to give a shout out to everybody who dropped uh, stars or stickers or super chats. Hopefully I'm nailing everybody here. Uh, you guys let me know if I missed anybody. Uh, we got Mac, Max Power came in twice early on from across the pond. Base Gase uh, was in the house. Andrew Morrow, Andrew, uh, Andrew Lamp was in the house. Michael Ronquillo. Uh, James Grossman as well, and uh, Broncos 17-0 coming in late. Uh, very helpful with the uh, $20 super. We appreciate all you guys coming in here. Um, Peter Middleton also, I believe, um, dropping the stars today. Love you, Peter. Um, and Gary Leeds Palmer, uh, two superstars constantly for us. Um, you guys are great uh, keeping the lights on in here. Uh, this show will go on as long as uh, the views are coming in um, and the likes are coming in and the the show is financially viable as well. You know, that's, oh, we can have as much fun on YouTube watching. Nice. Yeah. Thanks, no, Shane. Appreciate you coming in, yeah, coming in, here. coming into a, to little mop up duty. I, I yeah. love my baseball references. I apologize. There you go. <laughs> well, Shane Daniels saying a great show today. Thank you very much, Shane. Like I said, you know, we have a lot of fun talking on here, but uh, bottom line is the show will continue as long as it's uh, financially viable. So you guys doing even, you know, the $5 here makes a heck of a difference. So thank you so much, Shane. That, that, re- that really does help. Um, and guys, this is Broncos for breakfast. We'll be back again Thursday uh, morning at seven 30 mountain time. You guys can follow Scott and myself, both on Twitter, Scott at scout Kennedy and myself at Nick Kendall MHH also follow us at huddle up pod and at mile high huddle. If you guys are joining us on Facebook today, follow us at facebook.com forward slash mile high huddle, become a supporter or, and, or, uh, facebook.com forward slash mile high huddle pod. If you guys are joining us on YouTube today, please subscribe, like, and share. Um, click the notification bell up there so that way you know when we go live. That way, you know, it's, oh, man, I'm up and getting my stuff together, blah, 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 I'm busy. Ding. Oh, Broncos for breakfast has gone live. I better, uh, kids, shut up and be quiet. I'm going to drink my coffee and watch the show for a little bit and um, tune out for a second. You know, don't, don't tune out of your kids, guys. Um, but, uh, you know, make sure you do that. Also, Wait if you're older, older for that, then they tune you out. Then you yeah. don't have to worry about them anymore. <laughs> uh, I, uh. Can't speak to that one other than being the kid that's tuned out. Um, but the youtube.com forward slash the forward slash Scott Kennedy as well. Make sure you guys go check that out with especially the season ramping up. Uh, we're getting we're going to get Scott to a thousand subscribers here uh, before long. I'm going to drop the chat as well in the comments. 
Um, thank you everybody for joining us today. Uh, Scott, you got any plans the rest of the day? What's going on? Uh, it's actually pretty quiet. A little baseball practice today. Uh, got to do some work. It's cut down day. You know, it's going to be a busy day following the following the cuts across the NFL. Um, so that will take up most of the day for probably just about anybody crazy enough to be watching us on a on a uh, Tuesday morning is going to be just as interested as we are. So we're going to keep track of that all across the NFL. Broncos, former Broncos, possible future Broncos will all be in the news today all around the NFL. Yep, absolutely. Well, guys. We appreciate y'all. Y'all stay safe. We'll see you again Thursday morning. And I'll see you guys tonight with uh, Carl and myself on uh, building or yeah, building the Broncos. Um, <laughs> but until this building the Broncos, my hands uh, which one, which one? Um, but, uh, you know, thank you guys so much. We'll see y'all next time. But until then, go Broncos.